we've been talking about um, the uh, whole issue of a new way to live. Uh, it's what Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount. And he, gave, he spoke about a whole new way uh, of living. And uh, one of the things that you've realized and I've realized is that being a follower of Jesus means we are going to change. We are going to be different. Uh, you cannot be a follower of Jesus and stay the same. That's not a follower of Jesus. That's something else, but it's definitely not a follower of Jesus. So if anybody, and that's why Paul said when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so um, one of the areas that's going to change is going to be a whole approach to money and possessions. And this is what we're going to be looking at tonight. And uh, I was thinking about speaking to you this evening, and I, I thought I'd love to ask you, how many of you earn a salary here? Just put up your hand for a minute. Okay, quite a few of you. How many of you don't earn a salary? Put up your hands. Okay, quite a few of you as well. Uh, how many of you don't earn a salary, but somebody gives you money, whether it's your folks or a bursary or something like that? Put up your hands. Okay, right. Some of <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing because my wife put up her hand. <laughs> so, so the big question that we're going to dive into tonight is, how are you using what you've got for God? And that's the issue that, that Jesus really addresses. And I was quite astounded when I began to look and did a bit of research to discover how many verses there are in the Bible that actually deal with money. Now, you can answer this question as long as you haven't heard me preach the message. Anybody want to hazard a guess how many verses there are in the Bible that actually speak about money? More than 200? Okay. Some 900? How much? Somebody else? 72? Okay. So, so just for what it's worth to you, there are more than 2,000 verses in the Bible that actually speak about money. And the only reason I want to highlight that for you tonight is that it seems as though for God, the topic of money and possessions is quite a big issue. Uh, it, somebody worked it out, and I, I didn't do that, but I, I, I did look it up, and, 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 and the, people have analyzed the, the teaching and the, 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 the preaching of Jesus. They said Jesus spent 15% of what we've got in the Bible, 15% of what he said talking about money. So that means it must be a very serious subject and an important subject. And, and, and our Christianity and our faith definitely involves the change that will happen in our lives when it comes to money and possessions. You can see examples of this in the Bible over and over again. How many of you have heard of Zacchaeus? Okay, some of you. Others haven't heard of Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus is a guy in the New Testament. He, I'm not sure if he was involved in state capture or more on the Gupta side. So, but he was kind of one of those guys. He was ripping people off uh, with, their, with their money. So he was a tax collector and he was abusing his position and so he was stealing from people as much as he possibly could. And one day Zacchaeus meets Jesus. He comes face to face with Jesus. And in the encounter when they come face to face, Zacchaeus, the Bible tells us, stood up and said to the Lord, this is Jesus, look Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
And then he went on to say, and those people I've defrauded that I've stolen from, I'm going to pay them back four times what I've stolen from them. And isn't it interesting to see Jesus' response, or hear Jesus' response, he says, today salvation has come to this house. In other words, Jesus was saying, because of the way this guy's changed towards money and possessions and stealing from people, he said the only explanation of that, this guy's got saved. He's been transformed. There's another very, very interesting uh, scripture when you, if you read in Acts chapter 19. And Acts chapter 19 is describing what was happening in the city of Ephesus. And there was quite a move of God in the city. Many people were coming to Christ in the city. And we discover that a lot of the people that were coming to faith in Jesus in Ephesus had been involved in the occult. It was a city where there's a lot of occult practice. And so when people came to faith and they got convicted, they took, uh, we, they called them scrolls in those days, we don't call them scrolls anymore, but, but the material that they purchased and they brought it into the city square and they burnt it because they were convicted. And, 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 and in um, Acts chapter 19 it says the, the value of the scrolls, they calculated it. It came to 50,000 drachmas. Now, nobody here knows what that means, how much money that is. But what I did is I tried to calculate it because I think sometimes when we read that and we don't realize how much money was involved there, we lose the sense of, of what's being said. Do you, do you know how much 50,000 drachmas is today? It's 90 million rand. Now, it shows you the extent of occult practice that was happening in the city of Ephesus. And when people got saved, they didn't say, okay, now we're going to go and sell this stuff to some other dude who doesn't know what's going on. They took it and they burnt it, even though it was extremely valuable. We see the, the unexpected response of some, some really poor Christians in, in Macedonia, in a place called Macedonia. And, and what had happened, there was, there was a need in the church in Jerusalem. Paul is aware of the need. And so he, as he's traveling around to different churches, he goes to these churches and he says, I want you to take up a, a, a special offering. We're going we're gonna to take up an offering to help these guys. And, and the Macedonian churches, the Bible tells us these were incredibly poor people. And, and, he, and, he, and this is how he writes, uh, when, when he writes to the Corinthians, he says, Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In, in, he said, when, when I saw the way they handled their money, because this is what they did. They were poor people, and they pleaded with Paul, and they said, we want to be generous as we help another needy church and other needy Christians. We want to be generous in the way that we go about that. In fact, the Bible says they, they went far beyond what they could. In other words, they gave almost more than what they had. And Paul said, when I look at that, I just see the grace of God and the work of God taking place in, the, in their lives. The way that the early church responded to the poor. We've got in, in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we've got some, some incredible examples of what was happening in the early church. And, 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 and says there were no needy people among them. Uh, people were selling their possessions. They had all things in common. So we see God was doing a very special work in the early church when it came to money and possessions. And, and I think this is hugely important for us today because fundamentally we live in a very materialistic society. And so what Jesus is talking about here is hugely significant. So let's, let's read these verses together from Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth 
and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Who's had something stolen from them before? Gee. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he goes on to say the eye is the lamp of the body. And what he's describing over here, the best way I can help you to understand that is if you looked out of a, there's no windows here for us to look out of, but imagine that doorway, there was a window and there was glass in it. And that glass became really dirty. The way, that the, the way that you saw things through the glass would be very distorted. That's what Jesus is talking about. The eyes are the lamp of the body. Your, and, and if your eyes are good, in other words, if you see through a, from a perspective of generosity and kindness and wanting to help people, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, there are three things I want to touch on. There's a ton of stuff we can talk about uh, from these verses. But there are three things that I want to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about is heaven. The second thing that I want to talk about is impossible to serve two masters. And the third thing I want to talk about is God's kingdom and money. So let's, let's start with this whole thing of, of heaven and, and what Jesus is saying, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And, and Jesus is addressing the issue of money and possessions. As I've said, this is one of the big areas that is going to change uh, when somebody becomes a Christian. And for some people, that's quite a radical change, like somebody like Zacchaeus. And, and in fact, Jesus goes on in this portion of Scripture to point out that people worship Money. People, that's quite scary. If I'd said to you, do you know anybody, do you know people that have got idols that they worship? So, well, no, I don't know anybody that's got a little idol in the bedroom that they bow down to. But Jesus is pointing out that money is one of the idols we can worship in our lives. Money can be our God. Money can give people a false impression of reality. Money can control us. It can have power over us. It can even pull us away from following Jesus. Some of you might know people who who used to be keen followers of Jesus and they've kind of got caught up with money and possessions and they're no longer following Jesus. But I want to say this this evening. To me, this is a hugely important thing. When Jesus died on the cross, He came to save us from being captives to money and materialism and greed. That's one of the things that that Jesus came to do. You see, sin has had a deep impact on people's lives, not in money per se, but in the way it controls us, in the way that it can manipulate us, in the way that greed can begin to get hold of our hearts. I want to say to you tonight, Jesus came to set us free from that. That's why when Zacchaeus met Jesus, he said, Lord, half of my possessions I'm going to give to the poor. And where I've, where I've stolen from people, I will pay them back four times over. I read just a very heart-rending confession made by somebody in the second century. That's quite a long time ago. These are the words he penned. On account of money, I lost my children. 
What a sad thing to say. You see, when the power of, of materialism is broken, when the, the impact of worry and anxiety is replaced by faith and trust in God, then we're able to be the kind of people God wants us to be. And so Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. When he talks about storing up treasures in heaven, he's talking to you and to me about what we do with our money and possessions. Let me put it to you this way, and it's something I've been thinking quite a lot about this during the course of this week. In Jesus, we discover that greed loses its power. And the deception of worldly wealth is exposed. When Jesus told the parable of the, of the sower, he said he spoke about the deception of wealth that affects people. And in Jesus, greed loses its power. The deception of worldly wealth is exposed. When we find out that we do not need to worry, it's all because we are satisfied in the Lord. I need to talk about this for a minute. Because when Jesus speaks about storing up treasures in heaven, he's talking about people who've come to faith in him. He's talking about people who've been saved. He's talking about people who've experienced what it is to be born again of the Spirit of God and their lives change when they're born again of the Spirit of God. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and more abundantly, friends. Friends, when you've discovered God's abundance, why do you want to swap it for anything else? And it's this inner life of abundance and blessing that is expressed in the way that we use our money. You see, when we get saved, we discover something that far exceeds anything that we've ever known in the world. And that is Jesus. Friends, there's nothing like Jesus. When Paul was writing to the Philippian church, remember Paul was probably quite a wealthy guy in his day, well-educated person, had a fairly high position in society, well-respected. Uh, listen to what he says. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. You know what was so important to Paul? He said, I'm willing to let go of everything because I've met Jesus. I've discovered abundance. I know what it is to be satisfied. Now this puts a whole new perspective on what we do with our money. See, what Jesus is talking about, this treasure in heaven, is attained by what we do with our money right now. Sorry. What we do with our... <laughs> okay. Stay. <laughs> now, what we do with our money right now. And that's the treasure when we, when we wanted to bless other people, giving to others, sowing into other people's lives. Listen to how Paul put it. Now, many of us think that Paul just lived off the support of other people. There were times that Paul worked. He was a tent maker and he worked. And listen to what he says in Acts 20. You yourselves know these hands of mine have supplied my own needs 
and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself where he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Paul, who was a missionary, he was an apostle. He was, some churches supported him, many didn't support him. There were times when he worked, but he said, one of the things I want to demonstrate when I work and I do hard work is I help those around me because I want them to know this is what the kingdom of God is like. Giving to God's work is another opportunity to make an investment in heaven right now. I, I was thinking just in the prayer meeting before uh, tonight that in the congregation there are going to be people who probably are poor. Some of them are poor. There are going to be people here who don't have a regular income and there are going to be people who are earning money. Whenever the offering bag comes around or payday comes around or your folks give you your pocket money or whatever it is, how many of you think about using some of that for God? Because I think that what Jesus is saying, we've got to be intentional about it, otherwise we'll just spend it on me again, on ourselves. How many of you who just, even if you're getting a bit of pocket money, say, Lord, I want to store up treasures in heaven with what I've got. hope you're sitting next to a friend. Won't you turn to the person next to you and tell them what you think is a lot of money today? How much? You can choose. Tell them what you think is a lot of money. Go, okay, Roland, what did you say? A hundred million. A hundred million. Wow, Roland is really rolling. Okay, somebody else. Amy, how much did you say was a, a lot of money? <laughs> okay, now, why this is important, listen, don't have a picnic now, why this is important tonight is we often look at the how much instead of what we're doing and where our hearts are. Do you remember the time Jesus was outside of the temple and he saw a widow who had only two coins left, probably the smallest denomination of money. And he said, I want to show you generosity. You know what I've realized? Generosity for us often means a lot of money. For Jesus, generosity means what you're doing with your money and what you've got. So every Sunday here, we, when we take up an offering, there's an opportunity for you to store up treasure in heaven, when we give to the poor, when we help somebody in need. They, we've talked about the fires that are happening over here. We are making an investment in heaven. It's not gone. It's invested. Try not to think, well, gee, I've got no 50 rand left anymore. It's gone. I gave it away to somebody. Jesus said, you didn't give it away. You invested it. Very different. You know, when Paul was writing to the the Philippian church, one of the reasons he wrote the Philippian letter is he wanted to thank them and commend them for a financial gift that they had sent to him. 
And this is what he says, and it just struck me very powerfully. He says, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Now look at verse 17. Not that I desire these gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. You understand what he's saying there? Storing up treasures in heaven. So the second thing I want to touch on is, we'll see how we're going with time. Divided loyalties don't work. Not in the kingdom. Jesus is very clear. He's highlighting something about his kingdom. And he says, you can't serve God and you can't serve money. You can't, I can't. It's impossible. Why, does, why do I mention that this, this evening? Because a lot of people think you can. That's the problem. I think well, this is one of the most helpful comments Jesus makes about money. Chasing after worldly wealth will actually cost you. It will bring you into bondage, chasing money. It will draw us away from God. It will affect our families. It will have an impact on our friendships. Remember that story of, he's called the rich young ruler. In Mark chapter 10, I think the scripture might be there on the screen behind me. And here's a guy that said, I want to be a follower. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to have eternal life. In our terminology, I want to be a Christian. And, and Jesus said to him, okay, go and obey all the commandments. He said, Lord, I've obeyed the whole lot. And then Jesus, and I want you to re hear this. The, the Bible says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus wasn't trying to be critical, hard-nosed with him. Jesus loved him. And then he said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. What Jesus was saying to this young man, he said, when I look at you and when I discern what's going on in your life, I see that money is keeping you from God. And the Bible says he went away sad because he had a lot of money. Giving, sowing into God's work, helping the needy, and, and this is important, does not bring freedom and joy and God's blessing in our lives. Rather, you know that you are free. You know you are walking in God's blessing when you do these things with what you have. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And may I say to you, you're going to face that temptation over and over and over again. The last thing I want to touch on is, is God's kingdom and money. The reason I want to touch on this is because in God's kingdom, when we are followers of Jesus, you'll discover that things work very differently in God's kingdom compared to this world, especially when it comes to money. 
as I've already uh, highlighted a little bit earlier on, Jesus shows a wealthy young man what's preventing him from having eternal life. Who would, have you ever said to anybody that you've been witnessing to, if you just give away everything you've got, you can be a Christian? Anybody said that to anybody before? I've, thought about, I've never said that in my life before. But by the way, I don't think Jesus meant that every person who's one of his followers must give everything away. He's saying in this particular situation, in this particular guy's life, there was a problem when it came to money and possessions keeping him from God. Jesus uses a poor widow to give us an example of generosity. And when you come to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, it's the verse after the one that I stopped reading this evening. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? And his whole point is, there are two challenges we face when it comes to money and possessions. One is greed, materialism, and chasing after money. The other is worry that we're never going to have enough. Oh, those are always the two. Those are always going to be the two challenges we face. And, 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 and he's saying over here, you can't serve God and money, so do not be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious. I remember it was about three months ago. Um, we went out to, for supper with a family in the church. And as I was reversing my car out, just my car wouldn't go into reverse gear. So I drove it through the next day. It was a Saturday morning. Took it to, to the, the garage and I left it there and said, just, there's something wrong. Maybe it's just something on the computerized part of the car and uh, just is not selecting. It's an automatic. It's not re selecting reverse gear. Like three days later, they phoned up. So Mr. Besson... We've checked up your car, and your gearbox is broken. It's going to cost you 125,000 rand for a new gearbox. Now, this is for real. I mean, my heart went from here right through the floor. You sort of like, am I going to go for a, a serious bank loan to put a new gearbox in my car? Everybody says, sell your car. How do you sell a car without a gearbox? That I'm still trying to figure out. But, but I, I, I experienced in that moment the anxiety that comes over you when you know you haven't got enough. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And just so that you don't think for the rest of tonight what happened, it all got sorted. I didn't pay a cent. So it wasn't somebody gave me a gift. I just had a, a, a maintenance plan on the car that sorted out. But, but I, in that instant, I knew what it was. For fear and worry to just come over me. And Jesus is saying over here, on the one hand, don't get caught up with greed and materialism. On the other hand, he's saying, be careful of worry and anxiety that can grip your heart. And both of those will hold you back from doing what God wants you to do. I want to put out a challenge to you this evening as I finish. And it's simply this. If you ever want to hear God speaking to you, some people say, I, never, I can't hear God speaking. All you need to do is say, Lord, you've got access to my wallet. And you'll discover how much God speaks to you. Just say, Lord, 
Whatever's in my wallet, I'm handing over to you. I'm, I'm surrendering that to you. You'll be amazed how easily you hear God speaking to you. The story's told of, some of you might know, he's a guy called Spurgeon, lived quite a long time ago, probably before any of us were born. Uh, I'm glad to know. You'll be glad to know. And, and he, was, uh, he, he was a pastor of a church. He was, uh, had gone collecting money for an orphanage that they were going to build as a, as a church in those days. And he'd raised a huge amount of 300 pounds. Now you all smile and you say, what's that? Not a lot of money. Well, in those days, let me tell you, it was a lot of money. And he's collected this money. He's going back to, to build this orphanage. And uh, on the way back, he feels the Lord say, saying to him, I want you to give the money away to your good friend, George Mueller. And if you know anything about George Mueller, who was very famous for all the orphanages he built in those days. And uh, so, and, and just kept being bugged by God. God saying to him, you, you need to give this. But he said, Lord, it's my, our money. I've collected for our orphanage. Why must I give it to somebody else for their orphanage? And God keeps saying to him, like, I want you to give it away. So eventually he decided, I'm going to go to my good friend, George Miller. He arrives over there and he says, the Lord has told me I've got to give you 300 pounds that we've collected. He says, George Miller says to him, that's great. I've just been praying for it, so I'll receive it gladly. And of course you would if you were... George Miller as well. So, so Moody goes home and he's, he's trying to figure out, like, God, why do you do this? What, what am I supposed to learn through this? And he arrives home, and on his table there is a check for just more than 300 pounds. And what God was, he believed God was trying to teach him there. If you will listen to me and trust me, I will provide what you need when you need it. Now, that's about the end of the message I've taken, the time that I have. But I, I do just want to encourage you this evening. Be intentional in the way that you use your money. Use it to store up treasures in heaven. And it's not about the how much. It's the fact that you're listening to God that counts. Amen. Let's pray. And the worship team can come up.